and, and we're going to read, uh, focus on 18 through 21. We're going to actually cover this whole passage as we spent several weeks on this and just what this means and what does this look like for us and how do we live this out. But uh, as we kind of, kind of pull all this together, we've spent on this wonderful passage talking about the headship of Christ and just what this means for us as Paul is talking about it in the shape of Romans. And, and you know, as we, as we come to this passage, and as we've talked about before, there seems to be a huge misunderstanding about what grace is. We know that. We've talked to you know, many people. Um, I believe to many evangelicals, uh, you know, Christians of our day, that we've said grace is just a synonym for mercy and forgiveness. That some people, when they hear the word grace, all they think of is it means basically mercy and forgiveness. And we differentiate. We say, well, it's not mercy. It's not, it's not mercy because mercy means you didn't get what you should have gotten in and, and, and grace is you got something you didn't deserve to get. Uh, but, but they're still somewhat synonymous in their usage. And as we've said before, that's not what grace means. It's not, it wasn't when Paul used that word, he had had a different, he wasn't thinking of it as just a synonym of, 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 grace, of, of, of mercy. But as a result of this, um, we read the, this passage we're going to look at, and as we talk about particularly this, that part of it, where sin, when, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. To many people, it, it basically, they read this as if to say, well, when I sin more, God just forgives more. That's that kind of, I think that's a, a, a very common understanding of that passage. And, and we said, but that's not what grace is. Grace is that, as, as Strong defines it, that divine influence of God on our heart that's lived out in our lives, that's, that's reflected in our lives. And, and so because of that, I, I would say, different understanding of grace, um, it, we, have to, we come to this passage and say, well, so what is Paul actually saying in this? And I think it, uh, so as we read and study this passage, it will be with the understanding that, that, that when we read this, that, that we, we're reading it with that, with that understanding of grace. That grace is that divine influence of God on our heart. That, that where sin increased, that divine influence of God on our heart and it lived out in our life also increased. And I believe that it will make a huge difference in our understanding of this passage and what God will have us know and do. But I just want to cover that first because I think it is a, a very common... Um, I know from my own experience in talking to people as they, they've talked about this passage, I, you can almost hear that language in, the, in their heads that they read it as if to say that, that when I sin more, it just means that, that God forgives more. And, 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 and certainly God forgives. But that's, that's not Paul's intention and meaning of this. So as we read this and study this, uh, it's with that, I think, a different, and I believe, uh, a, a better understanding of grace. So, uh, reading, starting reading from Romans 5.12, and read through this whole passage to get it back into context as we complete this um, issue on the, the headship. Well, I would say that, but it has a huge impact on chapter 6 too. We're not going to complete the headship of Christ, but, but just particularly this particular part of it. Romans 5.12. So therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, 
even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of one man's sin. For the judgment following the trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all sin, or I'm sorry, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where the sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace, might, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. As we've often talked about, we kind of go back and put this in the context of what Paul's saying in Romans, and we look at the context surrounding this passage. Uh, Paul has established that we who believe are justified by God, that this is a work of God, that God justified us or declared us righteous. Romans 3, 23 through 25. For all have sinned, meaning all who believe have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This, this, this to be justified is to be declared righteous. God made, the, God made the declaration. He declared us righteous. And as we said, God's words are not descriptive like our words are. I can describe something as righteous, and all I'm doing is describing this state of uh, being. God's words are creative. What God declares, he creates. So when God declares us righteous, he has created us, made us righteous. So we were made righteous by the propitiation of Christ's blood. Christ's blood paid for our sins. This work of propitiation made us righteous. And we are to to receive this or accept this by faith. Meaning, God said it, I believe it. He said, I'm righteous. I believe it. That's to receive it by faith. And that, so if I am righteous, then, then I, I can't add to it. I can't, I can't you know, I, I, use, uh, I have a really neat permission board. It looks really good on the permission board, just so you know. So I have this golden circle. And if I can do more, more righteous acts... And if I do add more golden, it doesn't make it more, more golden. It's just it's still righteous. What God has created, it, he, he did this. And God said it, and we have to believe it. Even when, just like Abraham, it seems impossible. Romans chapter 4. It looks impossible. I mean, I, I look at my life and I say, God, how in the world can you declare me righteous? 
You know? I'm, I miss it a little bit. Just, just a little bit. But I miss it a little bit. I'm close. I'm working on it, Jack. <laughs> You're my idol, right? <laughs> but I miss it. But, but just like Abraham, he looked at his life and said, but do you believe God or not believe God? So when God says, you're righteous, even if you miss it a little bit, do you believe him or not? It seems impossible, but God said it. And so because of this, we have peace with God, Romans chapter 5, 1 and 2, and access to the grace in which we stand. Because of this work of God, we, this is where we stand because of what God has done. And we are reconciled not to a dead Savior, but to a living Lord. And this is so important. We, we, it, yes, he paid the price, but he didn't stay there, the resurrection. And so we're reconciled to a living Lord. So what does this mean for us today? What does this look like? What's asked, what, what's he, what, what, what impact does it have on us that we were reconciled to a living God, to a living God, to a living Lord. That, and this is what Paul has brought out in Romans chapter 5. And this is where he's gone with this. And this brings us to the passage that we read. And Paul started off by saying, and, and he was comparing the headship of Adam to the headship of Christ. And we often talk about it, and we know that, that, that passage, that Christ is our head. But I really believe that this is a very, very um, inadequately taught concept in our churches. And we will not really uh, uh, understand what this means, that we are under the headship of Christ. That, that, that this is a concept that is very foreign to us in our, in our Western culture. And so Paul explains that when Adam sinned, we all that were in Adam sinned as well. That, that death reigned from Adam to Moses when the law was given, even though everyone from Adam had not sinned exactly like Adam did. So, so because we were in Adam, we hadn't been born yet, when Adam sinned, we all sinned. And, and we, we looked at this, and we, we went back to Hebrews chapter 7, um, 9 through 10, and we looked at what does that look like, and we compared it to as the Bible did, it compared it to Levi and, and Abraham and Melchizedek. And we all know the story and we went over it. That, that Abraham was the one who, who physically gave the, the tithe to, to Melchizedek. Levi was still 400 years away. He, I mean, Levi wasn't even, wasn't even a thought. In a, wasn't, his mom and father wasn't even a thought. But Hebrews 7, 9 through 10 says... One might even say that Levi himself, who received tithes, paid tithes through Adams, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. So this picture of, of, of headship. And so the effects, uh, this actions of headship, affects everyone that is still in or has yet to be born from that head. When they do something... It is, so when, when Adam sinned, it was as if you could say everyone sinned. Everyone did that sin. And this has huge implications for us, guys. And, and as talking to Will, even the idea of the imputation of the righteousness of Christ. So, because he, that's what he's comparing it to. Adam's act of sin compared to Christ's life of righteousness. 
that, that so when Adam sinned, it could be said that everyone sinned in Adam. And when Christ lived a life of righteousness, it could be said that everyone who has yet to been born of Christ lived a life of righteousness. This is our picture of that imputed righteousness. So, so anyone who denies the imputation of the righteousness of Christ really has to deny the imputation of the sin of Adam. Because Paul says they work the same. They work the same. Now, the big difference, there was a big difference, though, between the act of Adam that was applied to everyone and the entire life of Christ that was applied to everyone in Christ. But both flow from the headship of this. So the, the trespass of Adam brought death to everyone. But the free gift of Christ, that is, the life that he lived for us, brought more than just not death. It brought life abundantly that we, we spoke of. He said it's much more. It's not, we just, he, not only it's just, it's not like he said it brought death and life. He said, no, it brought death and more than just life, or we would say abundant life. So today's passage, where we're going with this, is that one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Um, which is kind of the summation of this, of what we just went over. So therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And so this course is, like I said, the summation of what Paul's been talking about. And it's important to keep in context because this helps us better understand what Paul meant by the word all. You know, as everyone knows, and we've all used it, that, that using all it has to be kept in the context of that use. If I said, are we all here, I don't mean everyone in the whole world. I just mean all of us, this body. Um, or if I ask, is everyone here? This does not mean everyone in the world or everyone who's possible. In the same way, Paul uses that word here, the word all. Therefore, just as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, meant Adam's trespass or sin led to condemnation for all that were born from him or born from his headship. Now, this does not include Jesus Christ or even Eve, but she committed a sin like Adam's. Therefore, just as Christ was not condemned, because of Adam's sin, he wasn't in Adam, that, that his death of sin could be voluntary. In the same way, one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. This does not mean that everyone in the whole world, it means that everyone who is in Jesus Christ's headship or lineage, who was born in him. If you were not born in Jesus Christ or God, there is no justification in life. If you were not born in Adam, there is no death for Adam's sin. And that's how, of course, that's, we know that's how, how uh, Christ was, was exempt from that, 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 that uh, uh, imputed sin of Adam. And so this word all here means all of those who were born in Christ. If you were not born in Christ... You do not have that. And so this is not, this, this is not a declaration of universal salvation. It's, it's universal for everyone who is part of that headship. And, and um, 
And as we said earlier, it was justification and life. That, that it's not just the justification, but this, this life. And he'll go and talk a little bit more about what this means a little bit later. That, and he goes on, and in this, in verse 19, he talks about many were made righteous. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. And Paul's not being redundant here. That he's not just saying the same thing again. He's making a very important point that we need to get in, to get, that we need to understand. That just as Adam's sin did not simply allow us a way to become sinners, it made us sinners. You know, it's not like, it's not like you can say, well, Adam's sin, so he brought sin in the world, and now you, had, now, now you can choose to sin or not sin. He's, he's saying that's not it. You were in Adam, so you were made a sinner in Adam. Well, in the same way, Christ's life and free gift does not make us make a way for us to become righteous. It's not like he, he opened up this door, so now you can do enough good works and you can become righteous. That's not it at all. Instead, we are made righteous. Many will be made righteous. And, and, and you know, the, just think about that. <laughs> to be made righteous meant the work was done on you. It was not done by you. And he's saying that this is, this is what happened to you. It's not our own effort or work. God has pronounced us righteous. We have been made righteous for we are in Christ. If we, if we accept that, if we receive that by faith. That, that, that because of that, because of his, his pronouncement, because of his work, we are made righteous. But then what about now? That, then we're, all this was talking about from like Adam's sin. But what about now? What, what happens to us now? You know, all this is well and good for our original sin. That is the sin, the sin that Adam that killed us. But what about my sins as I've done? You know, and it, you know this, was, this was the understanding of the Catholic Church. You know, the Catholic Church understood that they had the, the whole idea of fetal baptism and that was to wash away that original sin, that original sin of Adam. But then you had to have other works, other acts of righteousness later on, other works of grace to cover what about the sins you've done since then. And, and this is where the, the Protestant church separated themselves from, from the, the Catholic church. Um, Paul writes in verse 20, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So the question was, what happened when God gave the law through Moses? Because remember, we already, we already dead in our sins because of Adam's sin. Even before the law was given. He talked about in verse 13 of this chapter. But when he brought the law in, our trespasses increased because of the law. What happens then? You know, God removed that tree of knowledge of good and evil so we couldn't eat that fruit anymore so that we don't have to worry about that, law, that sin anymore. But God gave the law. And when, so when he did that, our, our, our trespasses increased. 
So why did God give them the law? You know, why did he, why didn't, man, we got rid of that tree of good and evil. All we had to do is just, now just take care of, uh, of that sin and we'll all be good, right? Well, God gave them, as we know, when we talked about before, you know, God says, bring my people out of Egypt so they can worship me and serve me. So God gave the law so that we would, so that we would know what it is to look like, to worship and serve God. It was not given so we would sin more. It wasn't so I'm going to give them the law so I'll have more trespasses. It was this is what it looks like to walk after God and to serve God. And, you know, there are people, it's so funny, I was reading somebody who said, but the law has no bearing on our life anymore. Well, be careful of that one. You know, so I asked the, the class the other day, you know, so, so um, you know, a big part of the law is the sacrificial system. So you're saying you don't need, you need a sin offering? Well, who is your sin offering? It's Christ. You didn't need a Passover lamb? Well, who is your Passover lamb? It's Christ. So you can't just take the well, law to have any bearing because that included the whole sacrificial system in which Christ himself fulfilled for us. So it, it, it still has a huge impact on our life. It still has bearing on us today. But we have this law, and so sin increased. But where sin increased, grace, or that divine influence of God on our hearts that it's lived out in our lives also increased. It's not that God just said, well, I'm not going to count anymore. It's, no, we have this working of God in our lives that also increased. It's funny, this is, we, we, we haven't talked about grace much in this, have we, in Romans. But now, now it becomes a huge part of living out. So since we brought in in, in 5.2 about standing, have access to this grace. And this grace, how does it look like? And the reality is we don't need more forgiveness. We're already made righteous in Jesus Christ. And yes, we, I know he, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness, you know, First John. But we were made righteous. But we need grace. We desperately need grace. And that grace is to believe it. To believe what, what he said. To believe what God has done. We need grace to believe that the, and to receive this by, by faith and not try to add to it their own works, not try to add to it their own actions. And we need grace to live out this faith in our lives. So what does it look like to live out your faith? And, 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 and this is, what does it mean for us to believe God? It means I believe what he says. It's better than what I see. I believe the things of God are better than things of the world. That that's where joy is, and that's where happiness is. And it changes the way we live. So we need this grace, that divine influence of God on our heart. We need that to, to believe God and to believe in who he is and what he's done. This, this is that working of grace in our life that we so desperately need in us on a constant basis. He goes on in verse 21, and he says, So that, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin reigned 
in that it produced death in, a, in everyone. Everyone died because of their sin of Adam. There was no choice. It, it had absolute control. It, was, it absolutely reigned in this. Everyone who was born of Adam, sin reigned in. And they died because of this. And grace might also reign through righteousness. Or this divine influence of God on our hearts produces life. But not just life, eternal life. We have, we have life, or this eternal life, because of the righteousness of God. And what is eternal life? And that is, and as John 17.3 says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You know, we, we some, somehow so reduce the idea of eternal life to just this, well, I'm just living forever. And if you really push people, they're like, well, you're just living forever in heaven. That's eternal life. But that wasn't what eternal life meant. Eternal life is a relationship. You know, it, 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 and, and it comes back to the whole idea of what it means to be alive and dead. You know, you, you are dead when you are separated from life. Through this work of righteousness, you are joined to life. That is Jesus Christ. You're joined with him. Now you have life. And he said, and this is eternal life, John 17, 3. They know you. They have a relationship, this intimate fellowship with you. Not a head knowledge, but a relationship, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. So this is what this is this, this headship that produces, this work of grace that produces this, this living out, this relationship, eternal life with Jesus Christ. You know, grace is the influence. That, 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 that moves us, that allows us to walk with God, to live with God, to be with Him. And, and, and we, we, it's not just, well, I'm, man, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Man, I, God, God paid for my sin, this is it, I'm just waiting for heaven. That picture of, of, a, of a dead Savior. No, it, it's, it's living with and relating to and walking with a living Lord that changes us. And makes us who we'd have. And it all flows from this idea that we were born in Christ. The headship of Christ. That what, and, and it doesn't mean, it mean he is the, the start. It means so much more than this. And so I think when we take that, that idea of grace. And what that looks like. That divine influence that it leads up to us. And that headship. And, and we'll get into this so much more in, in Romans 6. So it's when he talks about what does it look like to be. To, to die with Christ, well, he's going back to this whole idea of this, of this headship. You were in Christ when he died. So therefore, his death is your death. And there's, it, it, it's this application of that. And this is, this is how we deal with sins. And, and it's more than just these uh, spiritual words. It's a, it's a change in life. So when we talk, speak of grace as sin increased, so as God brought the law, he said, as, as, as the trespass increased, the grace, that divine influence also increased. But that's, but that's minimal compared 
to the, 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 what happens when we're joined with God through Jesus Christ. And, and as he speaks to us and he leads, leads us, and that, that relationship that comes from that, the trespasses that increase. When I don't believe him and I don't accept that, well, then I need that grace, that influence in my life to change me and to guide me. I'm praying God. And, and so as believers, this, this surrendering to that and seeking after that grace, that prayer, God, work in my heart, change me, cause me to, 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 to walk after you, to seek after you, to walk closer with you. Help me to believe it, to believe you more, and to believe your word. I guess this is our, our challenge and our prayer this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, as I consider just, just what does that, that, that headship of Christ mean?